Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, August 18th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, on Thursday night, as we are recording over at the Ethel Barrymore Theater, was the first performance of El Mago Pop starring Antonio Diaz, who was an illusionist, not a pop singer of some sort. The show is only running for like 10 days. It'll officially open on Sunday and it'll close the next Sunday on the 27th. So a nice little run to slot in there at the Ethel Barrymore. So I'm I'm excited to hear what this is. We've had a lot of illusion type magic shows on Broadway over the last few years, but I feel like this might be the first one post pandemic. So uh, I'm excited to hear what people think of this one. I guess when reviews come out on Sunday night. I'm going. I can't wait. You going to opening night or are you just going to one? No, I'm going on Friday. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Well, um, have a great time. I can't wait to hear what you think about that one. Uh, if you want to hear everything that we have to say, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to wrap up my survey investigation and come up with a good plan for everything that we'll be doing moving forward. So you definitely want to be on the Patreon to hear about all of that. All right, a, we got a very special breaking news edition of Breaking Baz over in Deadline from Baz Bombaboy, and he wrote about the current play running in uh, London's West End called Patriots. It is written by the Crown creator Peter Morgan, and it is about Vladimir Putin and his uh, the, the Russian oligarchs that helped him rise to power. It is produced by Sonia Friedman. That show, which has recouped during a 12-week run in the West End, is aiming for Broadway. Now, this is not the first time that a play by Peter Morgan has looked to come to Broadway. He previously did the show on Broadway that led right into The Crown. It's called The Audience, starred uh, Helen Mirren back in 2015. He also wrote Frost Nixon um, about eight years before that. So this is not the first time that Peter Morgan has a show that aiming for Broadway based on real people. This is something that he does very, very well, obviously, on both stage and screen. The cast was led by Tom Hollander, who is absolutely fantastic. You might know Tom Hollander from... Uh, the White Lotus, where he was one of the main stars of season two. But my favorite show that he was in in 2022 was called The Ipcris File. If you haven't watched that, it's a nice little six episode thing on AMC+. He was most recently on Broadway in Travesties, which uh, won him a lot of acclaim back in, uh, I guess, 2018 before the uh, before the before the pandemic. Grace, uh, did you hear anything about th- this play Patriots when you were over in London? I didn't, but um, to be frank with you, I also didn't hear about half the things that I should have been hearing about. Um, I think that I just live in a vacuum, but um, this sounds really, really exciting. Yeah, great people involved. And I, I, I honestly hadn't heard much about it. Like I'd heard about Patriots, but I don't know much about the actual show itself. And uh, which I guess is probably good heading into it. Um, Rupert Gould is the show's director uh, because the show premiered at the Almeida Theater where he's the artistic director. So excited to see what happens with this. And if it is anything half as good as Frost Nixon or the audience, I'm sure that it will be a hit on Broadway. All right, Grace, unfortunately, we do have some sad news to discuss. And I saw a lot of people on social media in the theater community talking about this. But Broadway and West End actor Chris Peluso died on Tuesday at the age of 40. He was one of those guys who I saw a lot of people talking about was just always fun to work with and always a a thoughtful and compassionate uh, co-star. He kind of like came to fame as like this really great understudy. He covered the balladeer in the 2004 revival of Assassins on Broadway. He understudied both 
Lewis and Nicholas in Lestat, uh, as well as all three of the male leads in Beautiful, Jerry Goffenberry Man and Don Kirshner. He also played Sky in Mamma Mia. Uh, he covered and then starred as Fierro in multiple Wicked tours. He was in the glorious ones off-Broadway, but he also moved over to London and was in a lot of a lot of shows over there, including The Woman White, Woman in White, Death Takes a Holiday, and Showboat. And he was a replacement Chris in the revival of Miss Saigon in London, actually starring opposite Eva Noblezada before it came to Broadway. And he played uh, Nicky Arnstein opposite Sheridan Smith in the Funny Girl tour uh, after it had played at the uh, at the Chocolate Factory. So um, very sad to learn about that. He is survived by his wife, Jessica, and two children. About a year ago, he had announced that he was stepping away from theater work to seek treatment for uh, schizoaffective disorder. So there was no other details about his passing, but they are planning on having a public memorial and celebration of his life, which it seems like a lot of people that he worked with will want to remember him because he was somebody who, based on social media, had made a pretty profound impact on many, many people that he worked with over the years, both in London and New York. All right, let's get into some show and casting-ish news. Yesterday, Playwrights Horizons announced a handful of commissions that it has extended to some very exciting, very talented playwrights. They have uh, announced commissions for Agnes Borinsky, Jordan E. Cooper, Brandon Jacobs Jenkins, Antoinette Chinonier-Namwandu, and Vera Starbird. These are all incredible incredible playwrights and Playwrights Horizons, of course, that's what they do. Playwrights is in their name. But depending on when these things come in, if they were actually to put together an entire season just with these commissions, that would be tremendous. I would imagine they'll probably be spread out over a couple seasons. But Grace, I know how much you love Jordan E. Cooper, uh, having worked on Ain't No Mo. I'm a huge uh, Antoinette Nwandu and Brandon Jacob Jenkins fan. So this sounds uh, like exactly what a, a theater like Playwrights Horizons should be doing, is investing in diverse young talent and bringing new works that challenge some boundaries to the forefront. And they're also like at this point, they're not up and coming. Like these are established no. Broadway playwrights, you know? So I think that you know, continuing to honor and say like, cool, like it's not a one-off opportunity, like just because, you know, they've gotten their work to that point, that's not the end of this. And also like most of these people are now also working in television writing and obviously that's not going on right now. So I'm excited to see these multiple, you know, disciplined writers um, out there working and also being like reintegrated back into new developing works within New York City. Absolutely. All right, Grace, this is a story that actually kind of is about you in, in a, like in a, in a little part, but ahead of Saturday's final performance, the old Vic announced that their kind of like revival of Groundhog Day has become the largest grossing show in the theater's history. So holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Now, anytime we talk about like grosses records, you have to like keep in mind inflation and the prices are going up. They're not adding seats for the most part. So it's not always the most incredible thing to celebrate, but it is pretty impressive that this show that kind of really struggled to find an audience in New York has become, and I mean, it was a much bigger hit in London, but continues to kind of draw people in. So that's very exciting. But um, almost 90,000 people have seen it during its couple month run, 60% of whom were new audience members to the old Vic. I think that's the thing that is actually most impressive to me, Grace, that of these 90,000 people, 
50, 52, 53, uh, uh, 53,000 of them were new to the old Vic, which is exciting. This Same. is what you want. Yeah, this is what you want these things to do. And almost 3,000 people saw Groundhog Day through a pay what you can um, pre- preview ticket plan where like it was like tickets were just 10 pounds. So I love that. I love the fact that these musicals with interesting and and different form breaking writers and then obviously incredible talent led by Andy Carl are getting people to the theater. And and that's what we want. And I know it's IP and there's a lot of conversation about, you know, movie to musical adaptations and and all of that stuff. But uh, this is how you do it. Groundhog Day is one of the greatest musicals ever written. I don't care. Everyone that says adaptations, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? Guess what? So have been a lot of Sondheim shows that you all like. So mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it anymore. Number one. Yes. Number two, Tim Minchin is God's gift. Tim Minchin can turn any piece of IP into a new soul searching, like a gorgeous piece of found art. Like the way that he uses words. I mean, that's that's the dumbest thing I ever could have fucking said. But like he just understands the roadmap to storytelling in music and I and I I'm not the only one who feels like this but he really is one of our greatest musical theater composers that we have alive and or living ever. So I think that it's it's no surprise to me that this show continues to hold up and uh reinvite audiences. I was literally sitting next to a person who the night before had spent the night in the Groundhog Day bed and breakfast where they filmed the original movie in Chicago or in Illinois and then the next day flew to London to see the the what we all thought was the final performance. The oh way this show affects people is so beautiful. We were all sitting together crying. Paul, shout out, loved meeting you. Um it was just it's a fantastic piece and I just think that it's it is no shock to me that uh, a good piece of theater like this, that even though it did not have the Broadway success that we thought it would have, a good piece of theater continues to be revisited. And I am so grateful that the old Vic chose to take a chance on that because that that is no small thing. Like they chose to say, hey, we're going to try this again. And uh, much like Groundhog Day and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, there will be sun. And they did it. So I love this. Very well said. Uh, of course, you can hear me gush about Tim Mention. I just looked it up. It was just over just over three years ago when I had Tim Mention on an episode of Tell Me More. So uh, love him. He is incredible. Between this and Matilda, like the fact that he can can do what he did. I, what I'm a little worried about is Grace is that like I feel like he's kind of decided that theater doesn't want him. So he doesn't want to do theater anymore, which makes me sad because I wish that he would keep giving us projects like Matilda and Groundhog Day. I think he's been really kind of burned by the reception to some of his things. Oh, no, which, you think? <laughs> yeah, dis- it disappoints me and because uh, I think he's great and I think he's brilliant. So we'll see. I have to see. You know, hopefully he'll surprise us someday. Speaking of things in your very specific universe, Grace, yesterday the national tour of Frozen announced a handful of new cast members that had begun performances with a company in Fort Worth, Texas at Bass Hall. The new company members include uh, Preston Perez, who is taking over as Hans, Annie Piper Braverman, and Emma Ora Jeans taking over as young Anna. They will alternate, obviously. And Savannah Loomer is joining Aaron Choi, who are they are alternating as young Elsa. 
Of course, they are joining Caroline Bowman and Lauren Nicole Chapman as Elsa and Anna, respectively. Jeremy Morse, who is playing the Duke of Wesselton, will only be with the show through October 22nd. So I feel like he's been with the uh, the tour for quite a long time. So uh, they just it, brought him back in the last like couple oh, of is weeks. Oh, what it was? Because, oh, okay. Yeah. So he was uh, he was one of the original. He, he obviously originated the role um, in the national tour. Um, he was also, if you remember, the, AR, the ART waitress. He was Ogie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went on to continue to cover that role on Broadway. I saw him probably 10 times. Um, and he's a friend and he's he really is fantastic. He is the Duke of Weselton or Weaseltown. He is so funny in this role. And so obviously he's like a new dad. Uh, and then they moved back to New York. And then they said, hey, wait a second. Can you come back um, for, for the tour again? And so I'm excited. So if you are so lucky to see him again in that tour for those few weeks, you should definitely do it. <laughs> very cool. I didn't realize that he had left yeah. and come back. So very, very cool. Uh, all right, Grace, you have a recommendation for us that is... I don't really know what this is, but I know the people involved <laughs> in it are incredible and some of yeah. my favorites. So uh, 54 Sings is uh, the, you know, uh, Studio 54 uh, basement cabaret extravaganza. Um, they always have these uh, programming pieces of concerts called 54 Sings, and it's usually some artist or band uh, that people have a lot of fondness for. I've seen 54 Sings, Ariana Grande, 54 Sings, Kelly Clarkson, 54 Sings, Elton John. Uh, so they are presenting 54 Sings, Sammy Ray and the Friends. I'm going to assume that 90% of our listening audience does not know who Sammy Ray and no the Friends idea. is. And that is okay. Uh, because if you are a fan of like modern jazz bands, uh, modern like funk soul, but like in that indie pop rock era, think like if Dave Matthews didn't sound like that. You know, like I love Dave Matthews, but like if you like the concept of it, like you like horns and you like fun life, it's very much in the musical theater vein of modern pop music. Like it's it's one of the closest like between Sammy Ray and the Friends and Lawrence, the band. There's a lot of like musical theater esque like references. Did- didn't yeah, they just do just, a Lawrence? It, uh, yeah. So it's the same producers, Vibu okay. Moen, um, who we've oh, talked about before on the show. And um, Vibu puts on such a great concert. And literally, she did not ask me to talk about this show. Um, but because I love this band so much and I love Vibu's producing work so much at 54, um, I had to talk about this concert coming up on September 4th. It has an all-star cast, I will say. <laughs> My partner was asked to be in it and they're going to be going to do the 12. So if you're at a good speed opera house, just know that they also could be singing uh, Sammy Ray and the Friends, but they are not. Um, But you've got Lindsay Heather Pierce. You've got Fergie Philippe. You've got Morgan Riley, Talia Saskauer, um, Lauren Zachran, Samantha, Sammy Williams, who we talked about uh, Mm -hmm. with the um, Carolina Change album that we worked on. She also has some solo pieces. This is a stacked musical cast. Like you're absolutely. you're leaving out the one. You're leaving out the one that I'm very surprised you're leaving out. Courtney Bassett? No. The new Bach on Broadway, Jake Peterson. Jake Peterson, yeah. I uh, can't believe you left out a Bach reference in there. So I'm, you know, I'm a little I disappointed. A He's a new Bach. He's a baby Bach. He hasn't earned Bach yet. Um, so <laughs> I think if you if you are a fan of of, you know, going to 54 in general, as we all are great. Um, but this is going to be a really fun concert and it might be a great opportunity for you to be introduced. It will all sound like brand new music to you if you don't know this band. So it won't feel like covers at all. Um, so I just think that you should join me in, in coming to this one because uh, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. I saw Titanic last week when I was in town. Uh, and I've got to yeah. tell you, 
I've always loved Lindsay Heather Pierce, like dating Uh back to like Glee days, but she is so good as Rose. Like she is really, really spectacular. And I like, I just saw her as Janice in the national tour of Mean Girls like a couple months ago in May or something. Uh, So to see her like go from that to this is very cool. I think she's incredibly talented. So getting to see her in this concert would be very, very cool. All right, everybody, that is all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can follow me basically everywhere at BWW Matt. Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all forms of social media at It's Grace Hockey. Coming up on Friday today, I am doing an interview that will make me very, very popular with my niece and nephew. Somebody who I've talked about quite a bit here, somebody that I've been a fan of since they were in high school, uh, but someone that especially my nephew probably loves more than he loves me so uh be on the lookout for that we will have that in the podcast feed uh sometime in the next couple days or early next week uh, assuming everything goes goes well with recording so pay attention for that one as well all right have a wonderful friday a wonderful weekend and we'll be back to talk to you on monday